Welcome to another episode of Energy Talks. I'm journalist Markham Hislop. This podcast is all about interesting conversations with energy and climate experts from around the world. And don't forget to follow us on social media, on Twitter, at E-N-E-R-G-I Media, and my personal handle, at PoliticalHam, on Facebook, facebook.com slash energymedia. Energy.media is our website, where you'll find Markham and Energy columns, news stories and op-eds, and the Energy Student Resources Portal, a wiki-style collection of our work that's free for high school teachers and university professors to use in their classrooms. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. The French government nationalized its electrical utility, EDF, today, and that prompted uh, some interesting conversations on social media uh, amongst economists, and one of them caught my eye. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Chris Bataille, who raised the issue of what should government in Canada own in the various electricity systems across the country. So welcome to the interview, Chris. Uh, hi, Mark. It's good to be here today. Well, good to have you. Now, let's set a little bit of context here. So there, uh, there is power generation. There mm-hmm. is transmission. So the lines uh, uh, taking the power from the, gener- uh, the generator to the to market. Then there's the distribution system. Then there is retail. So sort of force parts to an electricity system. And in most of Canada, uh, those are owned almost entirely by uh, the Crown Corporation, uh, Crown Utility, BC Hydro, Manitoba Hydro, uh, Quebec Hydro, and so on. In a couple of provinces, Alberta and Ontario in particular, there is some competition. Some of it's more regulated than others. It gets pretty pretty complex. But so the question remains, what, if anything, is there a role for government in owning some of that infrastructure? And maybe let's talk uh, first about what's going on in France. Give us a little sort of taste of your argument around why France did what it did and what that means for government ownership. Right. Well, this goes back in history a little bit for France. The EDF, electricity, uh, the electricity production company in France, it has a very large nuclear fleet that's coming up for renewal, provides a big part of the investment. Um, It's been trying to build new large reactors. That's been taking a long time simply because a lot of the people who built the older fleet have now retired. There was a lot of investment in between. And it's just gotten the amount of capital required and the timeframes required to get the job done in terms of keeping the French electricity system are now basically beyond EDF's capacities as a private corporation. So the French state has come back in to own it and capitalize it and make sure it can do its job. Okay, interesting. So the if I, the EDF owned all four of the parts of the electricity system that I described earlier? Uh, effectively, yes. It was a national company before. It was pro- somewhat privatized and now it's being brought in. Okay, so it's it's like a you know, Quebec Hydro uh, for, for right. all of France. Okay, gotcha. Now, let's talk about Crown Corporations, uh, it, which is most of the most of the provinces. And let's take uh, BC Hydro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you and I have had interviews in the past where your modeling and many modeling of many other economists says Canada has to increase uh, power generation by two or three times by 2050 to deal with, you know, with electrification of the economy. Right. 
BC Hydro is building one more dam, Site C, and then says it won't build any more dams after that. The question arises, where will that power come from? If it, And if it, you know, uh, will it come from the private sector? And and you can, you know, see that argument maybe in other provinces like SAS Power, like in Saskatchewan, maybe not so much in uh, Quebec, but in Ontario. So should the private sector provide all incremental power generation going forward? Okay, so rolling back a little bit to answer the question, it, there, are what are, there are parts of the electricity system and other parts of the energy supply system that are what we call natural monopolies um, within, within energy economics. And it's just these things that, get co that cost less and less per unit delivered the larger they get until there's one. So imagine if you had three electric companies competing to provide you with electricity, but they all had to provide wires to your house. That makes no sense whatsoever in terms of all, for all sorts of reasons. So we have one system of wires, right? But you could have several companies competing to provide your electricity. And that's exactly what happens in Alberta. And it happens to a certain extent in Ontario. In the other provinces, it's more of what we call a vertically integrated monopoly. So there's a big power generator. It owns the generation units. It owns the transmission. It owns the retail system. And Stone BC, we just deal with BC Hydro. There are some smaller producers, but they sell, sell their power to hydro. It's fundamentally different in Alberta, right? Where there's an, a, an arm's length provincially owned agency, the AESO, that effectively manages the grid and the in private companies sell power on an hourly or, or an hourly basis in, into that grid. Now, moving forward in time, as we try to expand the, the electricity system, the problem of the natural monopoly of the grid is just gonna get harder and harder to deal with. So really it makes sense for government to hang onto the grid and provide the, the, long, the, the long distance transmission to the, big, to the big dams, what have you, in between the provinces, own the retail system, but the the, lo the logic of natural monopoly does no longer applies to generation. So in the past, you know, coal plants would get bigger and bigger, hydro plants would get bigger and bigger, nuclear plants would get bigger and bigger until it made sense just to have one. And you might as well have the government running it, uh, owning it. But then there would be a, a utilities commission that would decide what what was the fair price to charge a consumer. With this going into the future, the cheapest electricity is likely to come from wind and solar, but it's going to go up and down with wind and light and what have you. And you're going to need some sort of backing system. So on an hour by hour basis, you're the power that's sold you might be wind and solar, but as you, as you rotate through the seasons of the year, night and day, weeks, there might be a gap for a while, there might be a gas turbine system operator that sells you what power you need, or a nuclear operator or what have you. But it's, it's beyond government to try and manage, you know, what individual unit should be providing that power at any given point in time. Let the private sector bid in at the lowest cost, but they sell into the government, into the government grid system that, that then provides it to you. If that, if that makes sense. I'm sure you have questions. Uh, I do. Uh, many of them, as I'm sure viewers do as well. So in a case like Alberta, uh, you could have continue with the lightly regulated uh, uh, market there and power generators, if they're qualified, can develop wind and solar farms or geothermal plants or whatever mm -hmm. it is that they want. And then they have the right to connect to the to the grid. 
uh, and that all gets managed by an independent system operator. So mm -hmm. that kind of model, then you would have to, the government would have to come in and, and basically buy the wires, essentially. Well, this is where it gets interesting, right? Because if you develop a new, say you developed a new solar field or a new wind field, there's a certain amount of transmission that has to be built to get that power from that field to, to the main transmission system, right? And that's where you need to establish rules. Is it the new entrant that has to pay for that transmission and gets added to the grid and then they sell their power through it? Or is it government that does it and then they charge back to uh, charge back to the generator when they supply. Either system can be used, but you need clear grid management rules for that to happen. Right. So the, the uh, requirement for clear policy and regulation, I, I think that's, uh, mm -hmm. we'll, call, we'll call that a given. But, the, but in Alberta, uh, continuing to use this, this model, but it maybe could uh, probably applies to Ontario as well, the government doesn't currently own the wires. So how would it acquire the wires? Would, would it nationalize the wires? It, just it's, like the, 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 the wires are held within, a, effectively, it's a provincially owned agency. It's a provincial. So at a remove, the Alberta government does own the electricity system or governs it. Okay. No, sorry. I, I, this, uh, this is a wrinkle that I wasn't aware of. Could you explain how the the government, what government agency owns the wires in Alberta? Yeah, I believe it's the AESO, the Alberta Electricity System Operator. Okay. Would does in the in in Ontario, it's it's a different layered system of of uh, grid operators. But right. the key thing to remember is that they are a natural. There makes no sense to have multiple systems, multiple transmission systems. You only really need one. So whether or not it's a owned by the Alberta or Ontario governments, or if it's owned privately, its rate of return has to be governed by a utilities commission. Because otherwise, because they're the only provider, they could crank up the price as high as they wanted. And you want to have the efficient level, efficient. What's the cost of providing that transmission service? And that gets passed through to the consumer through the utilities commission and gets paid to the to the provider of that of that system. Gotcha. So if I understand this argument correctly, uh, Chris, the, whether the government actually owns the wires or it regulates the wires through an independent regulator, you, mm -hmm. you get to you get to the same the same outcome, which is you get to the same outcome. Yes. Okay. The, the, the key thing is. There are many different you want many different generators competing to supply your power at, at a given point in time, but it makes sense to only have one transmission system. Okay, so in uh, promises where you have crown owned utilities, and so BC, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Quebec, and some of the maritime provinces, now you already have the system essentially in place, and would it be possible to? then simply open up the, uh, the, the power generation to, to private suppliers. Yes, private it, it, that, yeah, that's a market structure thing. In BC, we could open up, we could open up where you bid on an hourly basis. Say BC Hydro could even do 80% of it. They just get 80% right up front. And then you have 20% of the market that's bid in or the whole market gets bid in. We simply don't 
we don't have the large number of private suppliers that are already sitting on the ground in Alberta waiting to provide power. Where we have just BC Hydro plus a, a bunch of long-term contracts. But that doesn't prevent us in BC from saying from going forward that the BC government's mandates that all new power has to be auction, all new power supply has to be auctioned, say on an hourly basis, and they're open to wind provide independent wind providers. It could be pulp mills selling their extra power. It could be solar or it, what have you, and it's all balanced through an arm's length agent. It's all balanced through an arm's length agency that handles the hourly auctions. Now, what about in provinces like Manitoba and Quebec, where, well, let's take Quebec, because Quebec, the Quebec Hydro has actually undertaken uh, a couple of uh, wind farms, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they understand that, that wind and solar are now the cheapest form of electricity, and they see the benefit of using their hydro dams as almost a form of battery exactly. uh, for, that, for that intermittent. Uh, uh, so in that case, could, could the, the Crown-owned utility simply uh, do their own wind and solar farms? Yes, they could. Absolutely. Now, there's a key element to this that coming back to our talking about having to, if we're going to electrify much of the economy, the private market, it's hard for them to anticipate it's government policy that's driving electricity, electrification of the transport fleet. It's government policy that's driving electrification of buildings and eventually industry. So if it's government policy driving that, that broad clean electrification of the economy, that has to be passed through in the anticip anticipated planning in the electricity sector. So you effectively do need some sort of entity that's telling the private art market that we anticipate Anticipate on a one, two, five, ten-year horizon, we're going to need this much more electricity that we want you to bid in to supply to us under the system you're describing. So, say in Quebec, they've got so many dams. It could be Hydro Quebec that just builds the extra windmills and solar and what have you, and they've they've been quite effective at doing that in the past. Or they could run a separate private competition for the extra power that they need. Okay, so what is the most efficient low cost model here? Is it the, the Crown Corporation that does its own renewable energy development? Or what or is it like Alberta where you have where that part of the where power generation is essentially uh, privatized and, and there's a market? Which which one might be the best model for, for uh, Canadian provinces? That's an excellent question. And to a certain extent, it depends on the province and the quality of the governance of the large utility. If you've got a large, well-functioning utility that knows how to run internal competitions well for the new power, what have you, go ahead, just do it within the utility. But you know, Alberta has taken another path and it said, no, we're gonna trust this private sector to do that. We'll set the parameters that they operate in. We'll, we'll govern the larger market, but they will tell us what the price will, they'll, they'll bid in and that's how that's how we'll get the price. The system works quite well and it looks like it, it's working quite well in expanding as it, as it needs to. Um, it, a lot of this depends on the quality of governance within the, within the, the provincial institutions that govern electricity. Okay, let's get back to the wires for a moment. Um, if we need two to three times as much electricity by 2050, that means we need to expand the wires, both the transmission and, and the distribution side. Is how does how how is that going? What's the most efficient model there to to do the expansion? Should government own them, 
or should the uh, an arm's length agency own them and, or should the private sector own them and be regulated by, by the regulator? No, 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 that's an excellent question. The, okay, so the, the, the transmission system as it grows, it, it's a natural monopoly one way or the other. It's going to have to be governed as a natural monopoly through the Provincial Utilities Commission to make sure that they're, you know, both generators and, and users of power get a fair deal and, and we get clean electrification happening well. Now, as it expands, what will likely happen in BC is it will probably be on BC Hydro to expand it, but the, the that for BC Hydro to do that well, that it needs to be in its mandate to serve clean electrification in the province. So that needs to be in the Utilities Commission mandate. And all these things are governed by the province, right, at the provincial level. So you do need, if you're going to do this utility, you know, large utility-based version, as we seem to be doing in BC, you need very coherent direction at the provincial at the provincial level, at the Utilities Commission level, and 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 for direction to be. BC Hydro going forward. And th that's, that's a fairly complicated planning exercise. Alberta will likely do something different where, okay, so we have a national regulation saying we're going to have electrification of vehicles. So they know there's a fleet of electric vehicles coming. Uh, you know, they're going to have net zero building codes, what have you. They know more power is coming down the line. So it's going to have to be an integrated dance with the AESO. And the, the province may have to provide much of the capital, the borrowing power of the AESO, but it'll probably be AESO that contracts for the building of that new transmission. Gotcha. So if, if I could sum up, uh, we'll see if I get it right. In provinces like British Columbia, uh, the, the extra power generation could be contracted out or the Crown Corporation utility could do it internally, depending on what they, you know, what they feel comfortable with and what kind of uh, in, internal engineering capacity they have to do those kinds of kinds of projects on mm -hmm. the on the wires side of things the transmission and distribution those should always be a natural monopoly whether it's owned by the crown by the the government util owned utility or if it's an independent system operator as it is in alberta right? yes so I, i've kind of got that right and so those are the I think we've we've sketched out the broad parameters of how the Canadian electricity system needs to expand and who needs to own it, who needs to regulate it and so on. And mm -hmm. are we doing a good job of it? <laughs> well, that's a that's a trillion dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> I, I I would argue no, we're not. Um, our utility up across the it's not, as far as I know, it's not yet baked into the mandates for both the BC Utilities Commission and BC Hydro that they that they are empowered and encouraged to do clean electrification and that you know, they're required to get to net zero. And that has to come as a provincial mandate. And we can go literally province by province and do an assessment with Quebec probably being in, in the very best position. They've got the best governance and the best sort of institutional structure for getting done what we're describing at this point in time. And even right down to the point of how do the gas and electricity markets interact through time. And Quebec's already anticipated that. Um, I, I think we have good high level federal directionality on net zero and the provinces are doing okay. But how this translates down at the governance of the electricity system and the gas system, we're not there yet. There's a whole lot of work that needs to be done in order to prepare, you know, 
the the grid for a lot of EV charging, a lot of buildings going electric, a lot of gas, a lot of buildings going off of gas through time and going electric. We're we're not there yet. We there's a whole there's a decade, two decades of work that needs to be done that's barely even anticipated. Would be my would be my call at this point in time. But I'd be happy to debate that with anybody. Now, just before I let you go, Chris, one final question, and that is, we haven't spent a lot of time in Ontario, but I've interviewed uh, experts like uh, Professor Mark Winfield at York University, who argue pretty convincingly, convincingly that Ontario's electricity system is broken. Uh, <laughs> and, and so the ideas that we've talked about today, how do they apply to Ontario? Ontario is its own beast. Um, they've gone through many different attempts at market reforms and patched up market reforms since the 1990s. Um, it, and it's very easy for politicians or those politically interested to point at any one point of failure in the electric in the Ontario electricity system for why their chart their their prices are so high. But really it's a cascading series of challenges that you know, it really the system should be rebuilt from the, the governance system, the transition system and the planning for the generation and for clean electrification that should be all rebuilt from the bottom up. But whether or not that that's a huge political project that require a lot of political capital and financial capital going forward. And I, I don't know if we're anywhere near that in Ontario at this point in time. Well, Chris, uh, thank you very much. You've, you've uh, shone some light on a, a, what I think is probably one of the top five question, uh, energy issues uh, for Canada going forward. Really appreciate your insights. My pleasure, Markham.